47th episode of the podcast F4. We're calling it that since it's easier to say than food and frightening film fanatics. Before we get started, the usual disclaimers. Heavy spoilers ahead. Turn back now if you haven't seen these movies. This week, we're talking about the Insidious franchise. There are four movies total, and the series was created by James Wan and Lee Winnell, who also did The Conjuring and The Saw franchises. So they're obviously both very busy. Many of the same people were involved in all four of these movies. So all of the movies were written by Lee Winnell as well. Jason Blum and Oren Pelly produced all four movies. And Blumhouse Productions, which is Jason Blum's company, and Stage 6 also produced all four movies. Music on all the movies is by Joseph Beshera. And Lee Winnell also stars in the franchise as Specs. Lynn Shay stars as Elise. And Angus Sampson stars as Tucker. And they appear in all four movies. The first movie uh, is from 2010. And Juan directed that film. And Steven Snyder also helped produce. Patrick Wilson, Rose Byrne, Barbara Hershey, and Ty Simpkins starred in one and also two. So, Asidious Chapter 2, 2013, came out three years later. And, again, James Wan directed. You've already heard the people who uh, were in the previous movie are back in this one. And Entertainment One produced both Chapter 2 and Chapter 3 of Insidious. Chapter 3 is from 2015, so two years later, Lee Winnell directed, James Wan produced, and this time Dermot Mulroney and Stephanie Scott joined the cast. And lastly, the fourth movie is not called Insidious Chapter 4, as you might think. It's called Insidious The Last Key. It's from 2018, so three years later, and this time... Adam Robitel directed, and James Wan and Lee Winnell produced. Where to find these movies? All are on Amazon Prime for $4, but none are free. Also on YouTube, Google Play, etc. for $4. They are not on Netflix, Shutter, Tubi. Uh, they are on Vudu, but again, none are free. Rotten Tomatoes scores... The first Insidious, critics gave it a 66%, audiences gave it a 62%. The second one, critics gave it a 39%, audiences gave it a 57%. I'm sorry, did I say third? The second one, critics gave it a 39%, audiences gave it a 57%. The third one, critics gave a 59%, audiences gave it a 51%. And the last one, critics gave it a 33%, audiences gave it a 52%. So obviously... um, Audience scores are pretty consistent between 51% and 62%, which is pretty good for a horror movie. Um, Critics, uh, they like the first movie the best and then the third movie. And the one they liked least was The Last Key. So pilot, I'll just hit the highlights of each of these movies. The first Insidious, IMDb says... A family looks to prevent evil spirits from trapping their comatose child in a realm called the Further. The Lambert family has Father Josh, Mother Renee, and two boys, Dalton and Foster, and an infant named Callie. We also meet Josh's mother, Lorraine, who's played by Barbara Hershey. 
and the family moves into a new home and they experience some kind of haunting things in their previous home, which is why they moved, but the same things are occurring in their new home. So strange noises, lights flickering, doors opening, etc. The oldest boy, Dalton, falls into a coma for several months and Lorraine contacts parapsychologist psychic Elise Rainier and Elise says the boy has astral projected himself into something called the further and he's stuck there. So the further is basically, we learn later, kind of like purgatory and everyone passes through there but most everybody ends up going someplace else after that but the things that are trapped there uh, may be demons or ghosts that want to get back into our world. So that's the basic premise of it. Uh, we later find out that Lorraine called Elise because she had met her earlier. Something similar happened with Josh when he was a child. It seems that astral projecting is an inherited trait, so go figure. So some with him, some sort of entity, a woman kept showing up near him in any photos that were taken, and it kept getting closer and closer. Josh doesn't remember any of this because Elise hypnotized him so the entity couldn't do him any more harm. So now Josh goes into the further to save his son, and there they see a creature called the lipstick-faced demon or the red-faced demon and a number of other entities. So that demon wants to inhabit Dalton's body so he can uh, live, go into the living world, and cause pain to others. He apparently likes to sew and sharpen his nails and likes to listen to tiptoe through the tulips, so that's pretty freaky. So after a lot of running around, Josh eventually saves Dalton and they return to our realm. And we think everything's good, problem solved, but nope. Elise grows suspicious of Josh, and she takes a quick picture of him, which angers him greatly. And then when she looks at the picture, it's the woman who was harassing Josh all those years ago. She has come back in Josh's body, and Josh is actually still trapped in the further. So the entity, as Josh, strangles Elise to death, and then pretends nothing's wrong, or, or pretends he didn't do it. And we think that's the end of Elise, but nope, it is definitely not. On to Insidious Chapter 2, IMDB says, The Lamberts believe they have defeated the spirits that have haunted their family, but they soon discover evil is not beaten so easily. So Chapter 2 opens with Elise visiting the Lambert residence in... 1986, and remember, uh, in the first movie, Elise and Lorraine eventually confessed to wiping Josh's memory so that the spirit that was following him could not possess him, and then the story shifts back to the present time. So, Renee, Lorraine, and Dalton all grow suspicious of Josh, and his body, over time, is basically disintegrating because the demon's in there. So, this time, Lorraine again consults Tucker and Specs. Um, and because they need help, and of course, Elise is dead. So they get Elise's former colleague, Carl, to help. He receives messages from the other side via lettered dice, and they eventually are led to an old hospital where Lorraine used to work, 
and a patient named Parker Crane who committed suicide there. They then go to the Crane house and discover a secret room and it turns out Parker was a serial killer called the Bride in Black who murdered women while dressed in a black bridal outfit. And all of the bodies uh, in the hidden room, that was great visual. Uh, they're all like sitting on uh, church pews and they all have sheets over them. And there's a, there's a large number of women that he has killed. So that's pretty freaky visual. Um, Parker didn't do this willingly though. He was brutally terrorized by his mother, Michelle, also known as the woman in white. And she wanted him to be a girl instead of a boy. And she also coerced him into killing all of those women. So the bride in black wants Dalton's body so he can have a happy childhood that he never had in real life. Um, in this movie, we also learn that time does not work chronologically in the further. So this means that an adult Josh can go back and warn his young self about dangers. So we see that at one point. He also tries to contact the family on their first night in the new house from the first film that we saw. Um, so that's pretty cool. So the bride in black is eventually defeated thanks to Elise returning from, I guess, heaven uh, to assist Josh and Dalton. So Josh, Dalton, and Carl return to a normal life, and then the father and son are again hypnotized by Carl to keep them away from danger. So before we talk about the third movie, as I said before, Joseph Bashir does all the music for all four films. I'd like to play one of those tracks, and this one is called Insidious.
So I hope you enjoyed that. Um, next up, Insidious Chapter 3. IMDb says, a prequel set before the haunting of the Lambert family that reveals how gifted psychic Elise Rainier reluctantly uses her gifts to contact the dead in order to help a teenage girl who's been targeted by a dangerous supernatural entity. So chapter three opens a few years before the Lambert haunting in the first movie, but after Elise's first encounter with Josh and Lorraine that was expanded upon in the second movie. I know that's confusing. We'll talk about the timeline a little bit later. So in this movie, a teenager named Quinn goes to visit Elise, and she's been trying to contact her dead mother. Elise says she's retired and can't help her. Elise's husband committed suicide a year ago, and she's been isolating herself ever since. But Elise does tell Quinn to stop trying to contact her mother on her own, because when she calls out to one dead person, all the dead can hear her. But, of course, it's too late. A demon named the man who can't breathe because he has an oxygen mask on his face. Uh, he has his sight set on Quinn. He used to live in their apartment building, and he wants Quinn to commit suicide so she can serve as a slave to him in the afterlife. And he's also committed at least one other woman to commit suicide as well. So her father calls. He doesn't know what else to do. He calls Tucker and Speck. And they pretend to be Ghostbusters, but they're really just shams, and they don't know anything about Ghostbusting. So Elise eventually arrives, and because she knows no one else can help them, and she goes into the further to save Quinn. That's where she encounters the Bride in Black again, who she quickly dispatches, and what looks like her husband Jack, but it's actually just the man who can't breathe disguising himself. And she knows this because he asked her to kill herself, and her husband would never say that. So Quinn is eventually saved, thanks to an assist from, of course, Elise and Quinn's dead mother, who comes back from, I guess, heaven or wherever she is to help her. Uh, she also shows her a letter that she's written to her that she's hid in one of her books, and she tells her that she was there watching her when she was auditioning for a uh, part. So um, in a touching scene, she tells her that she'll never be alone. So that was a good scene, I thought. So all looks uh, safe again. And Elise, Tucker, and Specs decide to go into business together. But in the final scene of the movie, we see the red lipstick demon that we met, of course, in the first film, who is behind Elise at her home. Um, interesting side note, Elise first, we know from this that Elise first encountered the woman in black many years before we met her, and she knew that the demon would eventually kill her, so no wonder she didn't want to get back into the psychic business. Um, in this movie, when she encounters the woman in black, she says, you, you know, you might kill me someday, but not today. Okay, the fourth film is Insidious, The Last Key. IMDb says, parapsychologist Dr. Elise Rainier faces her most fearsome and personal haunting yet as she's drawn back to her ghostly childhood home where the terror began. So the movie opens in Five Keys, New Mexico in 1953 at Elise's childhood home. 
And then we go back to 2010, where a man calls Elise for help. He has bought her childhood home and is having problems because it appears to be haunted. Elise is very hesitant to go back there because of the horrible things that happened to her. Um, and then we see when she's changing clothes that her back has a lot of scars on it. So her father was, uh, was not a good person. Uh, it turns out that her mother was killed there because Elise opened a door in the basement or fallout shelter, wherever it is, that allowed a demon called Keyface to escape. And he tells her he wants Elise to help him open all of the doors. And uh, he then uses a, some sort of cord to hang the mother. And then he encourages the father to do horrible things. But let's be honest, he appears to be pretty much an asshole to start with. So uh, I'm not sure how much he had to encourage him to do other bad stuff. So now Keyface is terrorizing the new homeowner. I won't go into all the specifics, but... Uh, basically, everything is resolved thanks to an assist from Elise's niece, who also has psychic powers. And Elise and her, other, her brother, Christian, had been estranged ever since she ran away from home, which was in the intro that we saw, because of how her father treated her because of her gifts. Um, we also get a callback to the first film, where Elise is trying to find her way to the hospital with a niece, and she opens a door, and it turns out to be a door into the attic where she sees Dalton. And then we realize what happened to him in the first film when he fell off the ladder. But what she forgets to do is close the door. So she leaves that door open, and I assume that means that that's, what, uh, that's how the red looks lipstick demon got a hold of Dalton in the first place. If so, it seems that Elise is responsible for lots of the messes that's going on just because she doesn't uh, understand the rules of uh, the further or that she has to close all the doors, things like that. So, trivia. Uh, let's talk about the differences between Insidious, The Conjuring, and Sinister because many people, I think, get those confused because they're all single-word titles that don't really mean a lot. So, uh, there are a lot of tie-ins between the three. Both Insidious and The Conjuring, as I said, were created by Juan and Winnell, and The Conjuring is based on the case files of Ed and Lorraine Warren. Uh, Patrick Wilson stars in both the Conjuring, and Insidious, so go figure. Um, Sinister stars Ethan Hawke, and Ethan Hawke actually turned down the role of Josh Lambert in Insidious. And Sinister is produced by the same production company as Insidious. Um, Jason Blum of Blumhouse says Insidious and Sinister are in the same shared universe, and they hope to connect them at some point. So that's pretty cool. And there is a Lorraine in both The Conjuring, Lorraine Warren, um, and Insidious, Josh's mother, Lorraine. Also, in Insidious, if you noticed, Elise's dog is named Warren. So before we do more trivia, I'd like to play another clip from... Um, Insidious, and this one is entitled The Further.
So the four films together had a budget of $26.5 million and a box office of $539 million. So that's quite a chunk of change. Um, besides Insidious and Conjuring, which I talked about back in episode 7 of this podcast, uh, we already said Juan and Winnell also did the Saw franchise, which I talked about back in episode 28. Uh, Lynn Shea is the sister of New Line Cinema um, founder Robert Shea. Now, the timeline of the series. As we said, it can be a little confusing, but basically in chronological order in which they uh, occurred, the franchise would be episode three, then four, although four has an intro way back to when Elise was a young girl, then episode one, then episode two. So episode three takes place in 2007. Episode four takes place um, after that. And then one takes place in 2010 and two, 2013. So that's the basic setup. Uh, the main demons or ghosts in this series are, as I said, the red face demon, also known as the red lipstick demon. And actually he's called that because they use lipstick to make his face red. He's pretty menacing looking and freaky, especially when he's hiding behind somebody's back and they can't see him. Uh, there's Bride in Black, as we already talked about, The Man Who Can't Breathe from 3, and Key Face from 4, the last key, even though his face doesn't have any keys on it, he actually has long, spindly key fingers. So I guess uh, they don't want to call him Key Fingers, so they call him Key Face. Uh, other entities include the long-haired fiend, which we see but we don't know much about, the woman in white, who of course is the mother of the bride in black, and I will say the actress that played her was pretty menacing because that woman was scary. Um, I hope that if they do more of these um, Insidious movies that they'll expand on some other characters each time as they've done here. I enjoy that. Uh, the first... Insidious movie had a budget of $1.5 million and a box office of $97 million. The movie is the inspiration for 2013 Universal Hollywood Horror Nights attraction. Uh, the entire movie was shot in three weeks. The film was originally to be entitled The Further. So I think it, uh, they, it made a good move in going with Insidious, even though it doesn't really mean much. Uh, 33 violins were used for the theme music. I also like the title card uh, with the name Insidious. It's pretty red and menacing. That's a fun uh, way to start off the movie. The film won two Fright Meter Awards in 2011, Best Horror Movie and Best Supporting Actress for Lynn Shay as Elise. Lynn Shay also appeared as, she's done lots of other roles, but as a high school teacher in A Nightmare on Elm Street, 1984, so I got to look for her when I watch that again. And she was also the super tan neighbor, or I can't remember, maybe it was Mary's aunt, in There's Something About Mary. So that was a very fun role. Um, the red-faced demon bears a strong resemblance to Darth Maul from Star Wars, and in fact, some people just call him Darth Maul. Interestingly, the red-faced demon was played by composer Joseph Bashira. 
that's pretty cool. Um, I did read too that they tried to um, make sure the kids were comfortable with his character. So they would, you know, introduce him after he had his makeup on or before he had his makeup on. And they were okay with him without his makeup. But the second they put the makeup on, the kids start screaming and crying and running away. So... When Josh is in the classroom, you can see a sketch of Billy the Puppet from Saw. And there are also a lot of names for presentations listed on the board. And James Wan is there twice. We also see the name Yasmin Osman and Leslie Burchard. And they were hairstylists in the hairstyling department on the film. Insidious 2 had a budget of $5 million and a box office of $161 million. Much of the movie is filmed at Linda Vista Hospital, which is the site of many numerous horror movies. Uh, Winnell said he wanted the man who couldn't breathe to look like the sloth victim from the movie Seven. So they actually ended up using the same actor, who is Michael Reed McKay. And interesting side note, Juan, Winnell, Simpson, and Rose Byrne all hail from Australia. Uh, Insidious 3, Chapter 3, had a budget of $10 million and a box office of $112 million. I really don't have much more trivia on that one. Uh, Insidious, The Last Key, had a budget of $10 million and a box office of $167 million. For some reason, this time around, they got rid of the big red Insidious title card. I'm not sure why. I kind of like that. In the basement of Elise's childhood home, you see a hazmat suit and a gas mask. It's the same strange-looking mask that Elise dons in Chapter 1 when Speck is transcribing what she tells him the ghosts are saying. And, of course, I'm sure you already caught it, but the action takes place in Five Keys, New Mexico. Emphasis on the word keys. Uh, Elise's brother, Christian, is played by Bruce Davidson. And we already talked about Joseph Bashir playing the uh, lipstick face demon, but he also played Bathsheba in The Conjuring and the Annabelle demon in both of those movies. So that's pretty cool. I didn't know that. Why should you watch these movies? Well, the franchise has some really great jump scares, some of the best out there, I think some interesting ghosts and demons, and some very novel camera work. I especially like that the lead character in this franchise turns out to be a 70-something-year-old woman uh, because you typically do not see that in horror franchises. Uh, the only other recent um, series I could think of that had an older woman that turned out to be the lead character was Jessica Lange in Ryan Murphy's American Horror Story, and of course she hasn't been in the last two seasons. And we also have Sarah Paulson, uh, who is older as well, um, and she has been in every season except for the last one. Upon digging around, I found a subgenre of horror that I didn't know anything about, and it's called Hagsploitation. Exploitation. Uh, I don't particularly like the name of it, but it gets the point across. And it is that older women who are past what would be considered their Hollywood prime, which I think is 21 probably, 
playing uh, whatever characters they can get in order to keep working. And um, this subgenre has some excellent movies in it, including Whatever Happened to ba Baby Jane, of course, with uh, Betty Davis and Joan Crawford, Mommy Dearest, again with Joan Crawford, and some other movies with Shelley Winters and Elizabeth Taylor. So I'll probably do a podcast on that subgenre at some point because when I did the horror subgenres episode a couple um, of weeks ago, I really didn't even know that one existed. Um, I know most people who like the Insidious franchise like chapters one and two the best, but I personally prefer the last two, and that's because it expands on the story. Um, you know, one and two are basically not a haunted house, but a sort of haunting type show. But in three and four, they actually expand on the storyline and the characters. We learn about Elisa's sad childhood and her gifts and how she hooked up with Tucker and Speck. I also like how each of the later movies in some way connects back to the first movie. So we see the same scenes over again uh, from chapter one, but now they have a completely different meaning because of additional information that we know. So that's pretty cool. Recipe this week. Well, I talked about them last week. But Geeks Who Eat at uh, com has created a cocktail based on the franchise called, no surprise here, The Further. So I will include a link to that in the notes. And then the basic ingredients of that are one and a half ounces silver rum, um, three-fourths ounce blue curacao, a fourth ounce ancho Reyes, a fourth ounce of pomegranate juice, and a black cherry for garnish. So uh, the idea is that it's a blue, smoky um, drink to try to replicate kind of the feel of the further when it was, uh, they do like a dark bluish lens with a lot of smoke whenever they were in the further. So... I haven't checked out that drink, but I would like to. Um, where to find us? We're on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Please give us a five-star rating if you like what you're hearing. We're also on Twitter at Food and Fried. The contact is by email at foodandfried at gmail.com or check out our website at foodandfrighteningfilmfanatics.podbean.com In conclusion... If you want a horror series with some great jump scares and a surprisingly touching story later in the uh, franchise, then check out Insidious. Uh, I'm not sure if they'll make any more of these, but if they do, I would definitely uh, be first in line to watch them. And so that's it for this week. Uh, until next week, please know astral projecting and definitely don't go into the further. Thanks. Talk to you next week.